0: Good morning, once again. How's everybody doing out there? Good, wow. Pretty, pretty good response for first service. I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting to have to ask again, you know, do the typical preacher thing. Uh, oh, come on, we can do better than that, right? Wow. No. Yeah, there we go. No, that was, that was pretty good. So... Uh, that was, uh, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Well, hey, we, uh, we're just going to kind of jump right into it today because we got quite a bit to cover. Um, but we'll do a little bit of a recap. So in this series so far, we're in this series titled Themes of Revelation. And uh, so far, we have been covering the major themes uh, that are found throughout the book of Revelation. And uh, today we are in this fourth message uh, of this now seven-part series. Uh, we had to add a, uh, a message to it because of the length of ta- today's message, how, how much we have to cover. So we're, we're splitting today's message up into two. Uh, so part two will be, will be next week. But we've not gone into the, to the weeds uh, of much of all of this. Uh, but from the beginning, we've made it clear that the Apostle John made his message clear through it all, through the whole book and that is that this is a book of encouragement. So with that in mind, before we, we get started on today's message, I want to just recap a little bit of two important points regarding this encouragement that we, found, or that we find throughout this book. And the first is that this book was meant to encourage believers to remain faithful in times of trouble and persecution, See, Christians, they were, they were 60 years into a time of intense persecution and suffering with another 200 or so years to go before the, or the Roman Empire would let up on them. So this was really no time to have a, to have a, a lukewarm faith, and, and it was not a time to compromise with the culture that, that Jesus had told his— uh, or it was no time to, to compromise with his culture, Right? And Jesus, he had told his disciples in John 16, 33, that if they were going to be his followers, then they were going to have some trouble. They were going to face some tribulation in this world. It was going to cost them something. And although it's hard to pin down a reliable number, uh, some people estimate that uh, nearly two to six million Christians uh, were, were killed uh, during this 300-year range under, uh, under the Roman Empire. They were, they were martyred uh, for their beliefs, some two to six million. That's a, that's a pretty big number. That's a, that's a massive number. And there's still Christians today that are being persecuted and dying simply because of their faith. And, and, and so it's not like we've, we've escaped this issue. We haven't outran it or anything. It's still it's still around it's still here and with that you know it kind of brings about the question well what would it take what would it take for me to throw in the towel on my faith right what would it take and i hope the the answer for you is that you never will right i hope i hope that you never will you know come what may because there's many reasons that we could have, you know, we can have many reasons, many excuses to say, you know, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm tired of this. This is just, this Christian life is just too hard, so I'm just going to, I'm going to put it to the side. But no matter what trouble we go through or however long it lasts, we have this hopeful promise directly from Jesus where he tells us to take heart because he's already overcome those difficult things, right? He's already defeated it. So this leads me to the second point that I want us to remember before we get into today's message, and that is that believers should be encouraged because we see Jesus in charge and on full display. From all the descriptions in in chapters 1 through 5, we see him in all of his glory and his majesty and power. You know, he reigns supreme over the entire earth, and he is the head of the church. And last week, from chapters 4 and 5, we saw God the Father, and we saw him seated on his throne uh, before this glassy sea. In this imagery, it indicates that when God is on his throne, everything's under control, right? All things are calm. And then, as we turn the page to chapter 5, all the attention is shifted to the only one who was worthy to open the scroll, which was in the right hand of the Father. And that one was described as the Lion. Of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. So when John, when he turned around to see this lion king, what he saw instead was a wounded and bloodied lamb with seven horns and seven eyes, which indicates that he has all the authority and that he sees all. So what we're going to see today, starting with chapter six, as Jesus begins to pop open uh, the, the seals and read the scroll. Is the wrath of God? Now, I, I don't want you to get the impression that this wrath that we're talking about today is this um, careless or this uh, you know uncontrolled anger or or vengeance. Right? It's not. It's not that at all. It's it's a deliberate and a precise response to the work of Satan, to the to the work of sin, and to the advancement of evil in the world. And everyone on earth, they will be affected. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are. There will be pain and suffering and loss. But let's not get too anxious about that, though, because uh, for, uh, you know, John, he spent the, the last five chapters reminding us that God, he is on his throne, and the Lamb has been given all authority, and that his final victory is absolute, and it's coming soon. Now, if you've ever had trouble understanding the book of Revelation, uh, which none of you probably have, I mean, it's pretty simple, right? We get it. Yeah. No, uh, I think today's message will kind of help with that a little bit. And here's the key to understanding it, to, to understanding this book of symbols, this book of numbers and symbolic language. It's this word, recapitulation. There we go. Can you guys say that with me? Recapitulation. Let's try it again. Recapitulation. All right, very good. Good job. So recapitulation simply means the retelling of the story from a different perspective. Uh, Any Mountaineer fans in here? Yeah. Yeah. Man. Uh, Well, uh, tough game the other night. It was a good game, but uh, to kind of put this this word in modern terms. that that last catch, that last, I mean, we can call it a catch because it was, right? If theirs was a catch, ours was a catch, I'm just going to say it. But we saw that, we see this, word, this idea of recapitulation in that replay right there. They showed one camera angle to see if, you know, he caught it, right? And they couldn't tell from there. So they switched to the second camera angle and zoomed in a little closer. They couldn't quite tell from there. And they zoomed into the third camera angle and they still couldn't tell. And then they just forgot to look at the fourth camera angle where they, it obviously was a catch, you know? So, right. So uh, we won't go there, but recapitulation, that is this idea of retelling a story and summarizing the main points, uh, to you know, from different perspectives. Now, this this idea it isn't new. Uh, it isn't new to the Bible. Uh, for instance, you remember when Pharaoh he had the dreams and, and jo- Joseph interpreted them for him, right? You guys remember this in Genesis uh, chapter forty-one. Uh, Pharaoh first dreamed uh, about cows. Right? He dreamed of seven uh, nice, fat cows, and then he dreamed of seven sick and thin cows. And the seven sick and thin ate up the seven nice, fat cows. And then again, he had another dream that he saw seven plump and good ears of, uh, of grain, and then seven thin and blighted ears of grain. And the seven blighted ate up the seven good. And in both dreams, they were of the same event. They foretold of the same event uh, which were of the coming 14 years. There would be seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. And if preparation wasn't made, the seven years of famine, they would eat up the seven years of plenty. In Genesis 41:25, we read, Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. So these visions uh, of John, they're similar to what we read here in Genesis 41. They are warning us about what God is about to do. So through chapters 6 to 18, we see the same event, which is the second coming from three different perspectives. It's being recapitulated, right? Recapitulation. So we have uh, the seven seals, then we have the seven trumpets, and then we have the seven bowls. And, and so uh, we've had, we have all these things that are pointing to the same, uh, the same story here. But maybe this next graphic will, will help us see how they are all intertwined, how these, um, these visions of seven lead into the next. It's, it's kind of like an interwoven circle. They're all connected. And just like the ocean tide that, that makes its way up to the beach, Right, it starts moving in, maybe when a storm is rolling in, the, the tide starts to come in too, and and, and the seas just kind of get rough. Just like that, these sets of seven, they become more and more intense. And it's gonna get scary for a lot of people. Regardless though, of how we view Revelation's uh, Revelation chapter six through eighteen, the result in the end is the same. The, God wins. The, the, you know, the, the wicked will be punished. The righteous will be saved. And we have a responsibility not only to heed the warning, but spread that warning to others, to tell others to, to get to safety. So in, a, in addition to a call to remain faithful through the most difficult of times, we should gain comfort in knowing that although God is allowing this evil right now, He's going to deal with it once and for all. And that will be at the end of time when he returns. So today we're going to... Work our way through uh, again, chapter 6 through t- 12, and uh, quite a bit of reading. So, we're going to start off popcorn style with Jay. Uh, so, yeah, verse by verse. No, I'm, I'm kidding. We're not going to do that. Uh, we're actually going to listen to it here in a moment, just chapter 6 uh, in, in full. And we're going to take some time afterwards to see how each of these sets of judgments, uh, the seals, the trumpets, and then the bowls next week, uh, how they end with the second coming of Christ. And I want to remind you that we, we are looking at themes here, right? We're looking at th- themes. I, I know the four horsemen that we're going to see in this, they're, they're interesting, but we're just going to have to let them trot by. There we go. There's, there's your dad joke link, wherever you are. All righty. Uh, so uh, sit back and follow along as we listen to this narration of chapter 6. Chapter,
1: chapter 6. six. Now I watched when the Lamb opened one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a voice like thunder, Come! And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and its rider had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he came out conquering and to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come! And out came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth, When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come, and I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth. When he opened the fifth seal,
0: What we see in this section of of, of Scripture coming into our world is is false leaders or antichrists. We see war that that leads to famine. We see economic chaos and and death. And all of these things are going on right now, aren't they? And and they aren't getting any better, are they? They're not. And and when you hear the reading of uh, this opening of the sixth seal, uh, sixth seal, uh, you hear a catastrophic uh, event, and it, you got to kind of ask yourself, well, is this the end of the world as we know it? Is this the, the second coming? Well, of, of course it is, right? This right here is the end of the world as we know it. The question, who can stand, is a rhetorical question. Nobody can stand. Not even, not. no one can survive The sun turning black and and the stars falling out of the sky and hitting the earth. This is absolutely the second coming. This is the great day of their wrath. So there's a picture of the uh, the second coming from the first six seals. Now before we get to the seventh seal, which is the seven trumpets, we have chapter seven, which kind of serves uh, like a commercial break. Okay, it really answers this question of who can stand. So I want to read uh, the first few verses here, uh, beginning with with, uh, verse 1. It says, After this I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, that no wind might blow on earth or sea or against any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun, with which, uh, with the seal of the living God. And he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm earth and sea, saying, do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000, sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. Now, Chapter 7, as I said, it kind of serves as a commercial break, but it isn't your typical commercial break, right? It's not, it's not uh, something you want to laugh at or, you know, it's, it's not maybe, uh, I don't know, it's just not your typical commercial break, right? It brings about a lot of questions. Questions such as, well, what, what are these four angels? What do they represent? What are they doing? Well, in simple terms, they are holding back the wrath of God, God, from harming the redeemed. Another question well, who is who's this fifth angel? Well, some say it's Jesus, some say it's an archangel. Regardless, though, the fifth angel had the seal of God on him, so he belonged to God. Uh, another question is well, who are the 144,000? Well, some say it's physical Israel or, or converted Jews. And there's problems with this list that that if that's the the case, they must be explained, but it it certainly could be. Some say that that number is uh, spiritual Israel, which is the church. And I mean, the Apostle Paul, he referred to the uh, Christians as the Israel of God in Galatians chapter 6, verse 16. But notice that John doesn't see them. He only hears them. He only hears them. So regardless, the uh, 144,000, they are the redeemed. And John's definite number in verse 4, it points to completion. It points to the fact that no one was missing. And after this, in verse 9, John says he looks up and sees a great multitude. Okay, well, now who's this great multitude, right? Who, who is this? Who is he talking about? Well, we just answered this question. The multitude are the redeemed. They're, they are the believers from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and, and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, resting at last safe in his presence. You see, the, the only ones who can stand are those who are washed in the blood of the Lamb. So the purpose of this chapter, of this of this commercial break, is to remind believers that even though tough days are coming, if we remain faithful to Christ, he will provide eternal safety and protection for us. So then we move on, and we move on to chapters 8 and 9, and we get our second picture of the second coming. And this one is much more intense. The seventh seal, it's open, and there's a a half hour of silence, which is kind of this calm before the storm. And then we start having trumpets. So, trumpets were used in biblical times to sound an alarm, you know, to, to warn of an approaching enemy or, or to sound the battle cry of war. And, you know, it's kind of like uh, your alarm clock in the morning, right? The, the louder it is, the more annoying it is, the, maybe not the sooner, but you just, wanna, you just want it to stop. So, the sooner you get out of bed, right? Uh, they were also used to sound the arrival of royalty, like what will happen at the second coming, they were also used as a call together the army like when God's people will gather around him at the throne. These trumpets they are leading to a different picture of the same event, the second coming. But the tide it's it's getting closer, right? This 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 ocean tide is it's getting closer and the images are getting even more intense. And this is a clear picture of God's wrath on evil and the systems that harbor and advance and promote evil. The terrible events of these trumpets, they resemble the plagues uh, on the, uh, of the nation of, of, of Egypt in Moses' day. And much like in Moses' day, these trumpets and events, they are intended to bring people to repentance. Some of these plagues, they're, they're just troublesome though. They're downright troublesome, and there's, there's fire, and there's vegetation loss, and there's poison water, and cosmic chaos, and, and weird tormenting locusts. It's going to be bad. It's going to be bad for those who do not have the seal of God on them. I want to ask you guys, guys this question if you remember this, uh, what happened on this day. Does anybody remember what happened the day after Christmas uh, in, in 2004? does anybody remember? Yeah. Tsunami. Tsunami. Yes. There was an earthquake in the Indian Ocean. There was an earthquake in the Indian Ocean that caused a tsunami killing nearly 230,000 people. It was one of the deadliest natural disasters in modern history. And there was so much, just so much devastation and so much loss of life. But if you remember this event, you might also remember uh, this 10-year-old British girl named Tilly Smith. She was on vacation there with her family, and, and they were enjoying this day on the beach in Thailand, you know, just, uh, just uh, enjoying this, this family get-together. And she was among the first to recognize what was going on. She, she noticed first what was happening, uh, flashback two weeks prior, she is sitting in her geography class, learning about tsunamis, the warning signs of them. So now she's on the beach in Thailand, and she begins to see this water start bubble up, right? And all of a sudden, the the water shoots away from the shore, and she knows exactly what's happening. She knows what's going on. So she runs to her parents. She says, mom, dad, uh, there's a tsunami. There's a big wave getting ready to come. We've got to go. She's doing that while everyone else rushes to the water to see what's going on. and what, what's, We've never seen this before. What's happening? This is crazy. This is just wild, right? So Tilly runs to her parents and warns them. And so instead of her and her family running immediately to safety, they begin to run around and warn others, hey, there's, there's something bad about to happen. There's going to be a big wave. We've got to go. We've got to get out of here. And so, uh, this is this is how we should be, right? The, the more or because of Tilly's actions that day, more than 100 people were saved on that beach in Thailand because there was a 10-year-old girl who understood what was going on. She she caught on to the warning signs, and and she warned other people about it. She sounded this alarm. And if you're a Christian, this is how we should be, right? This is how we should be, and this is how we should, re- uh, we should view our responsibility with this message of this book, right? Get yourself to safety, get your family to safety, and warn others along the way. And like Tilly Smith warning people to get off the beach, John is saying, he's saying, look, here, here's trouble. Here's trouble, and it's coming, right? If you're not ready, get ready, because it's going to get bad. It's gonna, it's gonna get really bad. God is about to unleash His wrath on the wicked. And if you are struggling and experiencing any tribulation or trouble right now, then hold on, because Jesus, He's coming. Sadly, even after all the, uh, all the tribulation and the plagues on the earth, Revelation chapter nine verse twenty tells us that the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual, sexual immorality or their thefts. A depraved humanity is persistent in its rebellion against God. What will it take? What will it take? Charles Spurgeon he said the primary thing that keeps people from trust or turning to God is not unbelief, it's rebellion. It's not unbelief, it's rebellion. In times of trouble in times of trouble you can either run away from God or you can run to God in the peace that He provides. And just like in the commercial break after the sixth seal, we get another one after the sixth trumpet. And, and this time, it, uh, this time it's kind of like, uh, you know, time to take a deep breath and, and gain our composure back after all the destruction. And it's almost as if Jesus, he's, he's kind of pressing pause here and saying, hey, look, I know this is a lot to process. I know there's a lot going on here, and I know it's going to be bad for everybody. But remember, hold on to the faith. Gather as many others as you can, and I will get you to safety. And this is the continual message of of this book, right? Be prepared and help others get prepared. So this uh, commercial break, it it spans chapters 10 and 11. And just like any good commercial, it involves some tasty food, okay? Uh, In chapter 10, verse 9 through 11, John is told to eat a little scroll, Okay, maybe not tasty, but it's still food. Uh, And this is reminiscent of when God told Ezekiel to eat a scroll and then go preach to his rebellious people. And we can look at it in another way. We can view this uh, in in a different way here. Uh, The word of God is something that is meant to be a part of us, right? It's something that, that we consume. It's something that God wants to do in us. It's a work that God wants to do in us. And here's the reality for John as a witness and for us as a witness as well. God wants to do something in us before he does something through us. God wants to do something in us so he can do something through us. But he's not going to do something through us unless he does it in us first. So we open up God's word. We open up God's word and we we consume it. We eat it. We take it in. We fill ourselves with it. It becomes a part of us. And then what God does in us, he can do through us. So in chapter 11, we have a a a measuring rod that John uses to measure out a place for God's people. He separates the the righteous to be sanctified and apart uh, from the wicked. And then in chapter 11, verse 4, we have two witnesses who some believe to be Moses and Elijah just because of the power that they have, uh, and, and which is reminiscent of those two prophets. But Jesus, he also calls them lampstands, and lampstands, they are representative of the church. And maybe since he sent uh, his disciples out two by two in Luke chapter 10, maybe these two witnesses are representative or, or, or symbolic to all of us as believers who are commissioned to share the gospel with the power of God in us. And we may be killed for our witness, right? We may be persecuted for our witness, but God, he will raise us back to life and rapture us up on the last day. And so finally, at the end of chapter 11, the seventh trumpet is blown and we have another picture of the second coming. Chapter 11, verse 15 uh, through 19, it reads, Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath came, and the time for the dead to be judged, and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was open, and the ark of his covenant was seen within this temple. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings, pearls of thunder, an earthquake, and heavy hail. Now, this is a dramatic scene that is clearly a reference to the second coming and final judgment. Now, like I said, there's much more to cover between chapters 12 and 18, and that was the original plan was to go through uh, 6 to 18 today. But we're going to finish up uh, chapters 12 to 18 next week in part two uh, of this message on the wrath of God. But in closing. I want to leave us with this. Evil, it's advancing all around us. But don't worry. But take heart, right? Take heart because God is in control. Jesus has overcome the world. And, and evil, God is allowing evil to happen. But this does mean that tough times are coming. Tough, tough times are coming for everyone, including believers. So don't be under any illusions that you're going to be safe or you're, you won't be affected, right? But the good news is, is that Jesus, he's coming back, right? He's coming back soon to deal with this evil once and for all. My question for you is, are, are you ready? Are you ready? If you're, if you're not, I hope you will be. I hope you will get ready. If you are ready, I hope you will, uh, you will warn others, do exactly what Tilly Smith did. Do what John is encouraging us to do. Warn others and get them to safety. So, if you're not ready, uh, maybe today is the day that you want to make that decision. So, I want to pray, and then uh, the band will lead us in a song, and we'll go into our time of response. So, uh, let, let me pray. God, thank you so much that. Even though this book, it's got, a, it's got a lot in it. It's got a lot of things that are hard to understand. It's got a lot of things that sound uh, scary, that, that are just hard to read. But God, I pray that through it all, we can be reminded that this is not, it's not what it's intended for, but it's intended to encourage us, to encourage us to, to be committed followers of you, to be committed to, to our, our faith in you. To not, just, to not just preach, but to practice what we preach and to bring others into it with us. So Father, I pray that, I pray that we, as we, as we continue our, our, our journey through this series, that we will be encouraged to do just that, to go and to warn as many people as we can, to bring them in to the safety of your presence. Father, I pray all these things in your name. Amen. If you want to come talk to me about your next steps this morning, whether that's baptism or or, uh, a recommitment or even a commitment to Jesus uh, for the first time, I'd love to do that. I'm going to be right up here to your left. Uh, Maybe you want some prayer for your one or just whatever is going on in your life right now. I'd love to, to pray with you about those things. So whatever it is, I'll be right up here to the front. If you guys will stand and sing with us this final song.